Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over the book of Ephesians. In today's lesson, we're going to be starting chapter 6, where Paul continues to tell us about how we should live in our earthly relationships. Today's relationships will be both dealing with authority, and as we look at this famous passage, we can take direct application in our own lives. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I, uh, I love Ephesians chapter 6. The whole thing is really good uh, when you think about it. You got the armor of God, right? Everybody knows what that is. Everybody loves that, and we're going to get to that soon. In the beginning, you have uh, the first verse you teach your kids. The first verse you get them to memorize. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? And so it's a really good chapter. I love it. I'm excited about uh, going through chapter 6 here. Uh, just because it's so good and it's so easy and practical. I was telling Haley uh, earlier this week when I was working on my lesson, I was like, I love this because like, it's so practical. Like, I've used it a hundred times over, like a hundred times a day at one point in my life, and now I'm using it again as a parent, and I've used it all in between when I was out of the house even. And so uh, it's something that I've worked on, am working on, and will continue to work on. So it's like really practical to me. Um, and so I like <coughs> teaching stuff like that because it's like, hey, it's something easy we can do, even if it's, or not easy to do, but easy to understand. Um, and then maybe hard to do, but I like it because it's very practical. And so uh, we'll go ahead and read. Uh, we're going to read nine verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll go through it after that. But we're going to read nine verses. Ephesians chapter 6 in uh, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord, not as men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this one he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do not uh, do the same thing to them. And give up threatening, uh, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and we thank you for this time that you've given to us and just pray that you'd speak through me your words and I pray that you'd encourage or convict us as needed, God. Uh, we do pray for these people on the list, God, just the whole family, just comfort them uh, in this time, God. Thank you for Adam and his life and everything he did, God, and to impact all those people and all of us, God. I pray for Bo. Uh, I know it's just a long road of always um, trying to strengthen and get back uh, to who he was and, and that's always hard. I pray for Brandy's neck and then uh, that she'd get better there and Bill and Jody as well, that they'd heal, God. Um, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, wood ducks. You guys know what wood ducks look like? If you don't, they look like this. They're a very recognizable duck. Oh, wait, they even actually wood. No, this is a type of duck. This is the male duck. This is what most people, when they think of a wood duck, they think of this one, the male, not the female. Uh, but they're very recognizable they're really cool ducks um but i didn't bring them up because they're cool okay i brought them up because they're a really good example of obedience okay they're a really good example of obedience um i think i have some more pictures of wood ducks here yeah 
So these little uh, ducklings, okay, they're very obedient, or they have to be, uh, for several reasons. But one of the reasons would be because uh, flight gives protection and provision uh, to ducks, obviously, right? So they fly to get away from predators. So when they're little ducklings like this, they can't fly yet, and they have to listen to their mother. And wood ducks have unique calls, like duck calls, um, if you know what they sound like. But they call to their kids, uh, or they're not kids, they're ducklings. They call their ducklings, and they give them commands that way and things like that. So it's really cool. And there's two really interesting um, things about wood ducks and their babies uh, that I was going to share with you. I'm going to pull up this next, these next pictures. But they obey in two very weird ways. The first one, the first one's really weird. The second one's like kind of weird. First one is mama wood ducks communicate with their ducklings while they're still in the egg. So they chirp. I don't know if chirp's the right word. But they quack and chirp uh, back and forth while the while the duckling's still in the egg, which is really weird and like an interesting thing to wood ducks. You know, it's unique. And the mother actually tells them when to hatch, okay? which is also really weird. I mean, I was like looking at this and I was saying, I was like, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't understand that, but I've heard that a lot from, you know, my wife and stuff. But yeah, so the, the mother duck, like quack, 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 and the, the, the ducklings like crack through their shell and come out. It's so weird. And that's the first time that they obey. So they're communicating before that a little bit. And then they obey their mom and they come out. And then the other one that most people uh, think of when they think of wood ducks are these two pictures. So wood ducks nest really high in trees. And usually um, they're like in the tree. Like you can see both these pictures. They're actually like in like a knot in the tree or something like that. And that's usually what they do. But that's usually high up. And the mother, when the chicks are ready, she will fly down to the ground and call them out of that. And so we can't tell from these pictures, and I, it was hard to find a good picture that was zoomed out enough where you could actually see the duck, but they're really high up. And these little ducks, you know, they f flutter down and hit the ground hard, uh, and their mom calls them out, and they go out one by one, boom, 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 just obeying her, boom, boom, boom. And then she trains them, you know, and they still can't fly yet, and trains them through all this stuff. And so... Uh, the reason I share that with you is because today Paul continues to talk about relationships, okay, and he talks about two different authority relationships, and the first thing he says is, children, obey, right? And so, just like these little ducks obey their mama duck, uh, we are to obey our parents too. And so we can take an example from that, but like I said, we're still in relationships. Uh, last week we talked about three different relationships, um, really I said three last week, and then this week I was thinking about it, and it was really two, because it was the husband-wife relationship, both ends of it, and then the you know, brothers-in-Christ relationship. So really, it was two relationships. So, But we're going to look at two more, uh, several different people. We're going to look at the child and the parent, and we're going to look at the slave and the master. And the first one seems very practical, obviously, and the second one seems very impractical to us uh, because it's slave and master, but we're going to look at it. We're going to see some cool stuff here. So first, let's look at the child and the parent. That'll be the number one on you guys' little list thing, or the whatever it is. Uh, but first, Paul talks to the kids. He talks to the children. Um, and what does obedience look like? I, I brought this verse up just to start out us talking about obedience, because this is when Jesus obeyed his parents. And Luke writes, and he writes to show Jesus as what? Do you guys remember? Jamie says it like all the time. He, Matthew writes as the king... Mark is a servant. Luke is the, to show Jesus as man. man, right? And so 
Luke, he has the birth story in more detail. He's the only one that has this story of when um, Jesus is a child. He's 12 years old. Okay, And so he's showing Jesus as the perfect man. And right here he shows that he comes under the authority of his parents. He obeys and honors his parents. Uh, we can read it. It says, And his parents went every year to Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the feast. And after the days were completed, while they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents did not know it, believing him to be in the group of travelers. Uh, they went on in their day's journey. And they began searching for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And they did not find him. And they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. So, so far they've lost Jesus. Okay? Um, because he stayed back and they didn't know it. And it says, And it happened that after that, three days, uh, they found him in the temple court, sitting in the midst of the teachers and listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his insight and his answers. And they saw him and were astounded. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have been searching for you anxiously. And he said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I was necessary for me to be in the house of my father? And they did not understand the statement that he spoke. And he went with them and came to Nazareth and was submitting to them, which I think is a key uh, word for Luke there. And he and his mother treasured, or his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus was advancing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with people. And I think, uh, like I said, I think that submitting and the increasing in stature and favor with God and people were kind of Luke's like summary of like, hey, this is why I shared this story is that Jesus even obeyed his parents. So if Jesus obeyed his parents, then we should obey our parents, right? Yeah, we should. We should obey and honor. And we're going to look at that. So how can we obey? Uh, how can we obey today? We're going to look at three different things that we can obey. And then we're going to look at honoring. What does that mean? We're going to look at three different or four different things with honoring. Um, and so we're going to look at this. Okay, so the first one, obedience is. What is obedience? And I think Laura will like this one because I think she uh, she uses this or she used to use this word. Uh, I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure. Uh, but my mom used this word all the time too. Except she always said right away um, was her thing. But obedience is instant. Okay. And the reason obedience is instant is because delay is a form of rebellion. Okay. Delaying is a form of rebellion. And so if we put things off, okay, and we obey, if we put things off, we're rebelling. Um, and we're not obeying, okay? It's, it's not instant, okay? It's not like you're, you're going to do it right away. And so it's a form of rebellion. And so this is why, like, sometimes when, when I was a kid, at least, and I'm sure with you guys too, when I didn't do something right away, my parents would react to that or would possibly get angry or whatever. I mean, they wouldn't do it because it's a form of rebellion. So they see me, they say, Hunter, go clean your room, and I don't do it. I like, just keep playing with my Hot Wheels or whatever. Then, they, then that is a form of rebellion. So that's why they would be like, Hunter, no, you got to go clean your room. It's because I was rebelling in my heart. I wasn't willing to do what they called me to do right then. So it is a form of rebellion. And that's why if we don't do it right away or instantly, then it's not really obeying. Okay? And then sometimes you know, we react back to them. We get in this big argument all because we didn't do it right away. We didn't obey instantly. Okay? And so uh, that's the first thing. The second thing, okay, is without complaint. I know Lori has a word for this too. Joyfully. I want to say yes, joyfully. Uh, so you could say instantly, joyfully. My, my mom would always say right away without complaining. I always think of Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Okay, do everything without grumbling or complaining. 
Okay, and my mom would quote that to me like all the time because you know I'm really good at complaining. I don't know about you guys, but I'm like really good at it. Uh, if you guys need any lessons on complaining, I can I can help you with that. I can show you how to complain, the right technique, the right facial expressions, how to get the sarcasm in your voice just right uh, to complain. And if you really want to be advanced, I can show you how to complain to where your parents can't tell if you're complaining or not, and you're being sarcastic to them in front of them and behind their back at the same time. You know, I'm a pretty sinful person, so. Uh, but Philippians 2, 14 and 15, you know, we're not supposed to complain. We're not supposed to argue. And uh, this is an obvious uh, rebellion when we disobey by complaining. Like, so I can do what my mom asked me to do, but complain about it the whole time. And that's not uh, doing it as unto the Lord, which we'll look at actually a little bit later on. It's not doing it with the right heart. Okay, and why? Why, why should we do it without complaining? Well, first, because God tells us to. Okay. I mean, that's an obvious one. But why should we do it without complaining? Because God's given us the authority. And we're going to look at a chart in a minute with authority. But God's given us the authority of our parents and all authority. And so if God has placed that authority over us, my, my God placed my mom above me, and my mom tells me to clean my room and I'm not doing it, then really I'm disobeying God too. Okay, On more than one account. One, because He placed authority there. Two, because He tells me to obey my mom. But... He placed that authority, so I'm really in rebellion, complaining against him that, hey, God, you put the wrong person as my mom or my dad, which I did think a lot when I was growing up, but was untrue. Okay, so we should also be joyful. We should be joyful that we get to serve, uh, which is a hard concept to think about. But we should be joyful that we get to serve God in that way. Think about it. Think about it like this. I know it's, it's a hard thing, but... Obeying your parents is serving God, right? That's a pretty easy way to serve God. Like, if your parent says, go clean your room, like, that's an easy way to serve your, your Savior. You know what I mean? Like, comparatively, right? I mean, all He's asking you to do is obey your parents. So if your parents say, go clean your room, I always use clean your room, I don't know why. Go do the dishes, go take out the trash. Like, I can go do that and I'm serving God and... and I'm doing something for God. Like, that's an easy way to serve Him. We should take joy in the fact that I get to serve God in that way. You know, and God is, uh, God's loving it when we do that. And so we should take joy in that, knowing that our Savior wants us to do it, I think. Um, but yeah, anyway, so do it without complaining, do it with joy. Uh, the next one uh, is completely. Or all the way is another way that uh, some parents, my parents might have said it. It's do it all the way. And uh, <clears throat> this one, you know, if you don't do, if you do something halfway done, or if you do something halfway, it's not done, right? So if your parents only gave you half the amount of food you needed, they wouldn't have fed you. If they only gave you half the clothes you needed, then they wouldn't give you clothes. If somebody builds a bridge halfway and then stops, the, is the bridge built? No, no it's not built. It's not built. Um, and there's tons of examples of that. So if you don't clean your room all the way, if you don't take out the trash all the way, if you don't do it all the way, if you don't complete the job, then it's not done. So you're not obeying there. So if we want to obey, we need to do it instantly, right away, uh, without complaining or with joy. We need to do it completely. Do it completely as to the Lord, uh, which Colossians 3.23 talks about. And so we need to do it all the way. Even... Uh, even further than that, okay? Even further than doing it all the way. Jesus says this um, when he's talking in Matthew. He says, And whoever forces you to go one mile, go two with him. 
Okay, and we're going to talk about the context of that. Uh, but this is the Romans, right? And I, I've shared this before, so some of you guys know this. But the Romans, in the time of Jesus, okay, they had the right lawfully to make an idle person carry their luggage, okay, their backpack, whatever, their gear, if you would, one mile. Okay, so they had the legal right to do that. And the idle person had the legal obligation to do one mile, and then they could drop the load, and they could go away. Okay, and so when Jesus is talking these, to these people in, on the Sermon on the Mount, they understand that. They know what he's talking about, right? Because a lot of them had probably been forced to go a mile. And so Jesus says, hey, if the Roman forces you to go one mile, go two of them. And they hate the Romans, by the way. Most of them do. And so we call this going the extra mile. Okay, and we can do this in our obedience. This is um, there's a quote from Look and Learn. Okay, but it's talking a little bit about the Roman mile. It says this army uh, of occupation, talking about the Romans, was there to prevent any attempt of rebellion by the local inhabitants. Its soldiers had certain privileges, among which was the right to stop any able-bodied man who might be standing idle or going in the same direction as the soldier, unless he himself was a Roman citizen. So if they're a Roman citizen, they can't make him do it. Uh, such a man could be ordered to carry all the soldiers' equipment for a maximum distance of 1,000 paces. Uh, paces. Uh, and then it talks about the Latin. That's where we get the mile. So after that mile, the man could put down the burden and leave the soldier either to carry it himself or to press somebody else to take it for the next mile. <coughs> so this is what the Romans would do. Jesus says, hey, if they, call, if they make you do that, do two. Okay? And he's talking about the Romans there and some idle Jewish person. So how much more should we go the extra mile when our parents give us something to do, right? They say clear the table. The extra mile is clearing the table and doing the dishes, right? Clean your room. Clean your room. I don't know. And organize your closet. I don't know, clean right? Clean your room and then go help your sibling. Yeah, clean your room, clean the living room. Vacuum the floor, mop. You know, whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, you guys know because you guys are in your own houses. But going the extra mile is a huge thing, Okay. Um, and I think Jesus calls us to do that. And if he calls us to do it with people that the Jews hated, like enemies, basically, how much more should we be doing that with our parents? Um, which we're talking about parents. We could talk about obedience in a lot of areas, but we're talking about parents today because Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Um, so we're talking about parents here, but this could be applied to a lot of things. Uh, but we should not only do it completely, I think, but I think we should go the extra mile too. Um, parents we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay, I know you're joking, but what? Then we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, we're going to talk about some other stuff. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about, though, is honor. And what does honor look like would be the question. Because verse 1 says, children... Oh, whoops, there's the rest of the quote. Eh, we don't need it. <laughs> All right, so uh, verse 1, Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. And then it says, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. So what does honor look like? How can we honor? What does that mean? Honor is a high respect. Okay, This is a, this is a dictionary definition of honor. But uh, it means a high respect that is shown for special merit, recognition, or esteem. Okay, Recognition or esteem. And honor is something. Um, so obedience, when you're talking about obeying your parents, obedience is something that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily ever stop. But it really uh, slacks off a lot once you move out of the house, once you're your own person, right? So as a, as a daughter, once you get married, you kind of come under the authority of your husband. Uh, so you kind of come out from under the authority of your parents. 
hopefully they can let go of that. And then same for the man, okay? Uh, you know, he, he comes out from the authority of the parents. And so this idea of obedience, you're not really, really obeying your parents a ton. Like, I'm 29, and so I haven't really, like, obeyed my parents in the same way as I did, you know, when I was 18 and under, or 19 and under, or whenever I was living in the house. And so obedience is this thing that kind of tapers off with your parents a little bit, although you should continue on. Honor is something that carries on through your whole life. We should be honoring our parents for our entire life. That's something my dad taught me, and we should always be honoring to our parents. But it's giving them high respect, recognition, or esteem. So what does it look like? Honor is. Okay, first thing that honor is, um, and this is on your papers too, I think, but honor is obedience. Okay? If you still are under the authority of your parents, which all of you are, even though some of you are getting close to being out from under that, um, you have to obey them. Okay, and, it, and it's simple. If you're not obeying, you're obviously not honoring them. Okay, you're not, gonna, you're not giving them uh, respect and esteem if you're not obeying them. Okay, and, and I mean, that's pretty simple, uh, but it's, it's the truth. You're not, you're not giving them honor if you're not obeying them, so we got to obey them. And even me today, like, um, if I go back and we're staying at my parents' house or whatever, my dad's like, hey, can you go out and get some wood? Like, I'm going to obey him, right? And that's showing him honor. So there's even times as a 30 year old, when I can obey my <coughs> parents and honor them. What? You can do it all day. <laughs> yeah, see, that would not be honoring. That would not be honoring uh, to do that. So you got to obey. If you're not obeying, you're not honoring. It's as simple as that. Second one is acknowledgement. Okay, acknowledgement. This is when we uh, credit. Okay, there's, there's two types of acknowledgement. One is when we credit our parents uh, for correct uh, um, decisions or anything just it's like it's almost like verbally praising them for acknowledging them as who they are as authority or whatever and then there's a simple acknowledgement of instruction so like if they call you to obey you can simply acknowledge them so that'd be like saying yes sir yes ma'am you know that kind of thing so uh you know gallon's actually pretty good at that he he says yes sir to me sometimes and i'm like barely older than him okay but uh it'd be like your mom says go clean your room you're like Okay, I'm gonna, yes, ma'am, or okay, I'm going to do that right away, or whatever. Uh, yeah, and and it's doing it in a way that is, it's doing it in a way that's not sarcastic or rude. It's doing it in a way that's honoring, right? So you can respond, acknowledge to your parents in a sarcastic way. You know what I mean? And say, well, I'm acknowledging them. Well, no, you're not. You're you're not being respectful to your parents, and so you need to re- reply in a respectful way. Um, and I keep saying yes, sir, yes, ma'am, because that's a respectful way to do it, right? Your, your dad says, hey, go clean your room. You say, yes, sir, that's respectful. And it's acknowledging that command. And the other one, which I, which I talked about first, is acknowledging them for their, who they are. So this would be something like um, that I even do, I can even do right now, um, like giving my parents praise for raising me or um, giving my parents praise for the wisdom that they have. Um, giving my parents honor in that way, you know. Um, and my parents were my parents were awesome. They were the greatest, and I can say that, and I can tell people that, and that's honoring and acknowledging. You know, that acknowledgement honors who they are. Does that make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. So it's so it's two ways, really: acknowledgement and properly talking about them. So not talking bad about them or anything like that. Talking properly about them, and then just acknowledging the commands uh, that they give you. You know what I mean? Um, so those are two acknowledgement that brings I think respect and honor to our parents the third one is seeking 
Okay, this goes along with acknowledgement, but um, it goes way beyond when you leave the house. It goes forever, and I think I've used this one more since I've been out of the house than when I was in the house. But really, it should be all the way through. You should be using this all the time. But this is seeking your, your parents' wisdom and counsel. Okay, that's honoring to them. Okay, our parents, no matter who you are, are older than you. Okay, and so they're older than you. They have more experience than you. They have more wisdom than you. And so you seek that wisdom. And that doesn't mean, like for me, as an example, for me, I can go and seek the wisdom of my dad or my mom, and I do all the time. It doesn't mean I'm going to listen to that advice every single time. Okay? I pretty much do, because they're pretty much way, much way more wiser than I am. Okay? But that doesn't mean for me, as in a grown adult, out from under their authority, doesn't mean I'm just going to them and saying, hey, what do, you, what do you think I should do? They say it and I go do it. Most of the time that's how it happens because, like I said, they have a lot more experience than I do. But um, seeking that wisdom uh, does show them honor. And if we seek that wisdom, even if your parent, like, even if your parent is, like, not a God follower, let's say. Okay, because my parents are God followers, right? They're seeking the Lord. And so when I seek wisdom from them, it's like, I mean, it's going to be pretty sure. So let's say you have a parent that, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, but you're going to have a parent that, that's not seeking God. Should you still seek wisdom and give honor to them? Yeah. Well, yeah, it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say, if your parents are good, obey them. If your parents do what's right, honor them. Okay, so you can, you can even, in my situation and your situation, but you can even seek the wisdom of a parent that may not be following God the right way. And then that, at that point, then you have to appeal back to, which we'll talk about in a second, but appeal back to the Word of God. But you still can seek that wisdom. And Proverbs says there's, um, that we should, there's, forgetting how it exactly goes, but there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. I don't think that's the exact words. But there's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. And so we can go to our parents, and we should go to our parents for wisdom, even if, even if they're not wise. Even if we think they're not wise, I think we should still go to them. And then, like, in my situation, like I said, if I'm out from under my parents' authority, and let's say my mom and dad are not God followers, and I don't agree with their lifestyle, and it's not biblical, that doesn't mean I just ignore them and reject them and get rid of them. I still honor them. And I can still go to my dad and say, hey, what do you think about this? And he may say something that's good. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's right. Or he may say something that goes against the Word of God. And I say, no, I'm going to appeal to the Word of God here. But we should seek them. And you guys should seek the wisdom of your parents, especially those of you who are juniors and seniors and sophomores and getting ready to go into college and getting ready to go into uh, or kind of out from under that authority, uh, you guys should be seeking the wisdom of your parents on um, what you should do, on these decisions you should make on marriage, okay, on, on all those things. You should be seeking the wisdom of your parents. And that's honoring to them. Uh, and then another way we can honor is by wise appeals. Making appeals wisely. <laughs> Uh, Lori's laughing because Pike always says, "May I make an appeal, please?" Uh, but <clears throat> so cute. He would, they were getting ready to leave, and he was wanting to stay longer. And he was like, "Can I make an appeal?" <laughs> yeah. So Pike yeah, Pike. <laughs> yeah, he's he's making appeals. We're trying to teach him to make appeals the right way. Um, but there's two types of appeals. Okay. One is appealing. This is the most important one. It's appealing to the Word of God. It's appealing to God, and so. Here's a, I have this chart for you that I found. It's an authority chart. Um, I'll do it on this one. But So God and the Word of God is the ultimate authority. <coughs> All authority comes from Him, right? Okay. 
then God gives us these authority. Okay, whether that's your parents, government, church, employers, whatever. God sets those people in place. Okay, the purpose of them is to praise those who do good, punish those who do evil. Okay, and all are to submit to the authority. For character training, for conscience sake, for testimony, those are reasons why we submit to the authority. Okay, but if you are told something to do which violates God's word, okay, then you correct any wrong attitudes first. Okay, which means like if somebody tells me something to do and I think it goes against God's word and I'm like hate this person, this authority figure, I need to correct that hatred. Okay, before I go to them. Okay, I don't need to be coming to them in hatred. Uh, and then you appeal to the authorities through Scripture. Okay, so you say, hey, this goes against what the Word of God says. And so this might be where, uh, if your parent is an enemy, meaning that they are, and I know most of your parents, so I don't think we have too much trouble with this. Uh, but if your parent says, hey, you know, I want you to do this, and that goes against what you know is in the Word of God, it goes against what God says, and you need to appeal to them and say, hey, that's not what the Bible says. And um, if they fail to do that, you have to disobey them. If they fail to allow you to not do whatever that is. So if they call you to do something that goes against God's Word, you rightfully and respectfully make an appeal to them and say, hey, this isn't what the Word of God says. Um, Can you allow me to not do that? And then if they say, no, you have to do it, then you have to disobey him, right? Because God's word is the ultimate authority. And so that's the first kind of appeal. Okay, the second kind of appeal. Okay, the second kind of appeal um, is the kind that I'm trying to teach Pike right now. But it's when you respectfully are willing to obey, yet you want to voice an opinion of yourself. So an example, Pike... Let's say Pike's working on a magnetile house. He's building a magnetile house. And he's got like three pieces left to put on to finish this house. Okay? And I'm like, Pike, you need to go to your room and do... Or you need to go take out the trash. Okay? And Pike's like... He, the, the options are, first, whine and complain. Because <coughs> he's only got three left. So he says, no, Dad, I'm not doing that. I only have three left. Second option would be to ignore me and finish his house anyway. Okay? He could just obey right away, or he could make an appeal, which is obedient. You've got to be willing to obey, so he's got to be willing to obey, and he can say, hey, Dad, may I make an appeal? And then I say, okay, what's your appeal? And he says, I have three pieces left on this house. Can I go take out the trash after I put these three pieces on? Because if he doesn't, then he's not obeying immediately, right? And so he says, Dad, can I put three more pieces? And then if you appeal, you have to be willing for the parents to say, no, you can't put those three pieces on. You need to go take out the trash and then you can finish it or whatever. And you have to be willing to say, okay, that's fine, and go still obey. That's how you respectfully obey and you respectfully make an appeal. Appeals are honoring okay, to our parents because they show that even though we have a desire, a want, we have this thing that we are you know, really adamant about, we're still willing to obey. Okay, so even though I made my appeal, I'm still willing to do come under the authority of my parent and obey what they've called me to do, regardless of that appeal. Yeah. I remember one time when I had to make one is I had two different things to do for both my parents, and like I was already doing one thing for one parent, so I had to be like, "Hey, can I finish this thing? What do you to do before I do what you want me to do?" Yeah, exactly, and that's that's a good example of appeal. So you have two authorities, right? And they they tell you to do something. They both tell you to do it at the same time, or you're doing one for one, and then somebody comes and tells you to do a second one, 
And you're like, well, I can't obey them right now because I'm trying to obey them. And so you say, hey, am I making an appeal about this situation? Like, I've already been told by one authority to do this. Can I finish this before I go do this? Right? So that's an appeal. So that, that shows respect. And that communication helps there to not be arguments and fights and dishonoring uh, words that come out of our mouth towards our parents. Um, so does that make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. All right. So... <clears throat> That's verse 2. That's the start of verse 2. We've got through one and a half verses in like a long time. So, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And then it says, Which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And so we'll go quickly through that. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it. But it's the first commandment in Exodus and Deuteronomy that has a promise with it. Um, you guys can go study this on your own. I don't think this is, I don't think Paul's saying this promise directly relates to you because in Exodus and Deuteronomy he's talking about the covenant and he's talking about the people of Israel who are about to go into the land of Israel and he says you may live long in the land okay and so I think that he's saying hey along with this covenant obey God and you're going to live in the promised land reject God and you're going to be kicked out of the promised land I think he's saying hey obey your parents you're going to be living long in the land why because if you grow up obeying your parents you're probably going to be growing up obeying God, right? You're going to get out of the house. You're going to be able to obey God. And so I don't think he's directly saying, hey, Hunter, if you obey your parents, you're going to have, you're going to live to be 108. Okay, I don't think that's the direct promise. I think that was a direct promise to Israel. I think there's a couple reasons why he says this. I think one is because obeying, obedience to your parents is really important. It was the first one with a command or with a promise. Okay, secondly, I think there's wisdom in it. Okay, so if, I tell Pike not to run in the street, and you know he doesn't. He may have a longer life, right? And so there is that wisdom of you're going to have a longer life if you obey your parents. Uh, but I think specifically in Deuteronomy and Exodus, the one that Paul's referencing, this is like, hey, children of Israel, you obey your parents. This land that I'm giving you right now, you're going to live a long time in it. Um, so you guys can do your study on your own and think about that, and you guys can look at all that later. Uh, like I said, we're, we don't have time to like go into that right now. But uh, Paul then turns to fathers. Uh, so Brent's the only father in here. But the rest, well, other than me. But the rest, <laughs> but the rest of you guys, uh, you may be a father or a parent soon, or even an authority figure. And uh, he he talks to the fathers here in verse four. He says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord." And you could do a whole conference on this, okay? But we're not going to um, again just because of time and because. We basically did a whole conference on verse 1 and 2 because that's where we're at right now. Uh, but for a, pa- for a father, uh, the job of a, of a parent or a father isn't to provoke or to make the child um, angry. You guys know what provoking is, make them angry. Uh, but rather, it's to bring them up. It's to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, train up a child in the way he should go, it says in Proverbs, and he's not going to uh, flee from it. It's our job as parents is to train our kids. Okay, and so it's not the job of a father to treat the child as a subservient slave that can just do all his work for him. Okay, and I think the reason he brings this up is because he just told the kids to obey their parents. And he says, but fathers, don't provoke them to anger. Okay, and so there's this, there's this balance here because um, <coughs> as a kid, I'm going to be like, well, it says right there, Dad, don't make me mad. So you better not do anything that ever makes me mad. It says, don't make me mad, Dad. So don't make me mad. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about provoking. Um, because if you, as a parent, bring your kid up in discipline and instruction of the Lord, 
there are going to be times that the kid isn't going to is going to have to do stuff he doesn't want to do. There's going to be times the kid is going to probably get angry. There's going to be times that the kid is going to be um, mad at their dad or their mom or whatever. And so, talking to a father, the father has to balance what that means, and it's and it's a heart issue, is what it is. Okay, and you can provoke someone to anger because of your heart, and you can make someone angry because of a right heart. Even you know they might have a wrong heart, and so they might get angry at you, but you have the right heart in trying to bring them up in discipline and instruction. Okay, and so uh, that's verse four. Like I said, I mean you could do like a whole conference. I wish. You know, I hope someday somebody does the conference on it and I'll go to it uh, for this because it's a, it's a great verse for all fathers. And I think you guys, you know, maybe not right now, but or maybe right now if you wanted to, but maybe in the future after you get married and you're like looking at having kids, you should go and you should study this verse and you should look at it and like be like, okay, what does this mean? Because uh, it's, it's a really good one. Um, so anyway, so that's a relationship between parent and child. Parent, uh, child, obey your parents and honor your parents. Okay, then we go into slaves and masters. We're not going to take a lot of time on this. Uh, and this one's kind of weird because we're like, well, this isn't practical. I mean, how many of us in here are you know, slaves? You know, not very many of us. Some of us might feel like slaves at times uh, when our parents start telling us stuff to do. Uh, but we don't have this in our culture. But there's some really cool truths in here. And Paul, if you look at the end of verse 8, which we're going to read in a second, he says, whether slave or free. And so Paul tags us on. He says, hey, this is the, these are the attitudes and the things that you should do, whether you're a slave or whether you're free. It doesn't matter. These are the attitudes you should do. And so let's read verse 5 through 9, uh, and then we'll talk real briefly about this and be done. I know I'm taking a long time. It says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the f- uh, flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good, render service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same thing to them, and give up threatening, and knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. So, like I said, this, this seems unpractical, but it's not. It's very practical. Uh, there's three things that we're going to look at uh, in regards to slaves and masters, which are truths that we should do with our authorities and with the people under us, and just that relationship as well. The first one is... Uh, Oh, what are the truths? Okay, the first one, to the Lord. Okay, regardless of whether we're a slave or we're free or we're under authority or not, we should do things as unto the Lord. I think I have the verse. Up <coughs> yeah, this is, I referenced this verse earlier, but this is a great verse for this. Whatever you do, accomplish it from the soul as to the Lord, not as to people. He says this like three or four times throughout here. Um, In sincerity of heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, um, and render it to the Lord in verse 7. And so he says this three or four times in here. He says, hey, do it to God. Do it, work like you're working for God. Don't work like you're working for whoever's above you. Because why? I don't have that chart up there. Because why? Because God put those people above you. He put those people in authority over you. So act like he's the one that did that. So when you take out the trash, don't take out the trash just to please your mom and dad. Do it for the Lord. Okay, and that's when you can have joy in something. And uh, any authority, anything that you do should be done to the Lord. And that's a mindset that we have to have. And it's hard to have that mindset all the time, but we should have that mindset. We should do things as unto the Lord. Um, Even though he's calling here specifically slaves to do that, like I said at the end of verse 8, look, whether you're slave or free, whether you're slave or free, you should be doing this, okay? The second thing, 
uh, receive back. Okay? As unto the Lord, and you receive back. Okay, this is the second truth. Whether slave or free, you're going to receive back. You're going to be rewarded based on your actions. We all know this. Okay? We all know this, but it's a cool truth. Uh, it's cool that if we obey authorities, we're going to get rewarded for it. I mean, that's a graceful and merciful and awesome God, right? Um, this is 2 Corinthians 5.10. You guys all know this verse. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ in order that each one may receive things back in, uh, for the things done in the body, uh, whether good or whether bad. So, uh, you know, right there in Paul in 1 Corinthians saying, hey, you're going to receive back for what you've done. He says this in um, Ephesians as well. Uh, in verse 8, knowing uh, whatever good thing each one has done, this he will receive back from the Lord. So, obedience and um, really everything we do, not just obedience, but specifically obedience here, we're going to receive back. So we need to remember that. Okay, We need to do it as to the Lord, remembering that the Lord is the rewarder. Okay, So if we do it to, for man, who is the rewarder? Man. Okay, what is the reward? Something that's just going to last as long as you live. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a perishable reward, right? It's, it's either glory, like, hey, good job, good job. Or it's, hey, here's a trophy for taking out the trash. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, you know, some, but it's something that's going to perish. But if we do it as to the Lord, then the Lord will reward, right? And that reward is what? Eternal, it's imperishable, right? So we do things to the Lord, knowing we're going to receive back. And then the final one is without partiality. And this is in verse 9, okay? And it's talking about masters. Masters, do the same thing to them and give them uh, give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And there's no partiality with him. And partiality is a, it's a hard word. Our culture is taking partiality and they're changing the word right now. And so just have wisdom when you use this word. Okay, because if I discipline my son differently than I discipline my nephew, am I being impartial? No. In a negative way? No, I mean, no. I mean, it depends on how you define partiality. Okay, but my son, I'm going to discipline differently because of my relationship with him. Um, you know, and, and I might expect different things out of different people. I might accept, expect something different out of a man and a woman because men and women are different, right? I might expect a woman to be able to do this or a man to be able to do this. Not this, not, you know what I mean? You might be able to, um, you know, there's certain instances where you are treating people differently because they're different people. Okay, well, the thing about God, he, does He discipline everybody the same way? Yeah. He does? Everybody gets the exact same discipline? Actually, no, He doesn't. No. No, right? Everybody gets discipline different. Does everybody from the Lord receive the same exact trials? No. No, why? Because everyone. Because we're all because we're all different, right? So he's not he's not uh, showing partiality in that. For God shows no partiality, okay. But that doesn't mean he treats everybody the exact same, okay. I'll give you an example from our culture that's ridiculous right now. There are now men who are <coughs> winning women's sports uh, world titles, okay. Tons of them, all different sports. Men are playing in women arenas and beating the snot out of them because they're because they're men, and our world will not confront it because they're afraid that they're being part. You know, they're afraid that they're being partial or whatever. Like they're afraid, like hey, we we have to let everybody do the exact same thing. 
Well, everybody has to be the exact, and they have to all get this. And so they're allowing all the women's world records to be beaten by men, which and then reverses it. And you know, so our our culture is having trouble with this right now because they're trying to define what it is, and they're not getting the correct definition. Okay, God's not partial; He's never partial. Uh, but sometimes He treats people differently. Like I said, you know, He doesn't give everybody the same trial. He doesn't give everybody the same discipline because we're different people. But does he give everybody the opportunity for eternal life? Yeah, yeah he does, because he's not partial. Okay, and so define partial. I know we're like way out of time, but define partial. Make sure that when you use that, you're using it the right way. Because at the end of this, he says there's no partiality with him. We should not be partial with one another. He's telling masters not to be uh, showing favoritism. Or he's basically telling them not to lord over the slave. Because God made the slave, and God made the master, and God's the master of both. Same thing in James chapter 2, when James is like, hey, a poor brother comes in, a poor Christian, and then a rich Christian comes in. You tell the poor guy to go sit on the floor in the corner, and you tell the rich guy to sit up front. Well, they're both children of God, and you're showing partiality. Right? Yeah. Okay? A crippled man comes in, and a man that can walk, and you give the crippled man the seat up front because it's easier to get to. Are you showing partiality? No, right? He needs that, right? I mean, so that's that's the balance I'm talking about. You guys have to you have to use wisdom in this when you're using this word. But that's a that's the final thing, uh, the truths for the slaves and masters that we can apply is we're not to be partial with one another, whether we're in authority or not. Uh, he's specifically talking to masters, so authority. We're not to be partial. So, um, so that's the other one. So, what's the impact? I know we're taking. I'm taking forever. I had the James verse up there. It's obey and honor. Okay, obey and honor. It's super easy to understand super hard to do uh, do we honor our parents do we obey our parents um, do we go the extra mile do we complete uh, do we do things completely without complaining do we do them instantly and right away do we honor our parents by seeking wisdom from them do we honor them by uh, correctly appealing always appealing to the word of god do we acknowledge our parents you know in everyday life and in when they tell us stuff to do these are some things that we need to be thinking about uh, and that we can be doing all right Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.